coming up this week on the Smitty and Mitty Show. It's a Junior B Hockey Roundtable as I'm joined by Dylan Baker and Spencer Seymour. Plus more sports talk, including the MLB lockout. It's the Smitty and Mitty Show. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Start your engines! 90% of the time, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. The show that's got everyone saying... You're so dumb, for real. With Smitty. What you just said is one of the most idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Mitty. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? you. That's my name. This is the Smitty Mini Show. This is the Smitty and Mini Show. Tyler Middleton, Noah Smith, welcoming you inside the studio for yet another week of mediocre sports talk. We talked about it last week. We are right on that line. It's our new tagline. We are. We are the best mediocre sports talk radio show out there. I would rather ride with that and be mediocre at what we do than try to be the best and fall short. You know what I think it does? It it allows the people to understand where we are. Mm -hmm. It doesn't set the bar too high. It sets it exactly where we need it to be. And maybe, maybe we will shoot over it and people will be like, wow, this is actually better than I thought it was, you know? But maybe we'll be right mediocre, and they'll be like, "Okay, they told me. They yeah. told me it was going to be mediocre." If, if I come on, if I listen to your show and I don't like it, but you're only calling yourself mediocre, it is what it is, right? I'm not going to go. I knew it going into I, it. I mean, I knew going into it that they didn't even think they were that great. So why should I have thought? That they were that great. Big thank you to our sponsors, Dave Middleton at Sun Life Financial. Life is brighter under the sun, and Gold Line Curling, the choice of champions. Helping make this show possible every single week. Mitty coming up on the show today. A lot to get to and a lot since we've last sat down with each other. Later on in the show, I'll let you go bye-bye. I'll kick you off the mic and I'll talk to Dylan Baker and Spencer Seatmoy, two guys around the GOJHL. We'll just talk some hockey here and uh, I'll let you go take a little break during that second segment. We'll also talk about the MLB lockout. Um, Maybe even get to a little bit of golf later on in the show. And of course, the biggest news story around the world right now, we'll tie into it with the sports thing. What is going on over on the other side of the world with Russia and Ukraine? Let's make sure people can find us on the Smitty Mitty Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. The Smitty Mitty Show on YouTube as well. Some old things up there. Not too much new stuff. Still really busy. We're getting into hockey playoffs, which I know you guys are going to talk about here. Coming up very very soon let's get into our i would call it our our main topic and the, the main, headliner the, the headliner. main topic around the whole sports world and the whole world right now obviously what's happening over in ukraine um the russian invasion uh we're not going to get into it politically because that's not what we are obviously we condemn what's happening not that that matters not that you know russia's sitting there saying oh the mediocre sports talk show on 560 CFOS, and BlastTheRadio.com are condemning us. We don't like this. But for what it is, it's horrible what's going on. And there's been some backlash from um, the international sports community and uh, some local sports communities we want to talk about. And let's just get into it. Soccer, hockey, um, F1, the Olympics, all not allowing uh, Russian or Belarusian athletes to compete and uh, Hockey Canada, um, Baseball Canada, Soccer Canada, saying that they won't face Russia or Belarus until all this has been solved. I mean, that makes sense to me, right? 
Yeah, and you got to keep in mind this is an ever-changing, ongoing issue. So, kind of things change by the time this gets to air. We apologize, but man, it feels like in the last seven or eight days since all this news broke that so much has happened, and you got to, you know, you got to understand the sports world had to take their time to think about this and then make the right choice. And so many leagues changing their choices after they made it, right? I mean, we saw, let's look at the Olympics, for example, which just finished up. The Paralympics, just about to get underway, they originally said we're not going to let them complete compete under their flag. They obviously backtracked on that, and now they're not allowed to compete at all. Are you surprised by any of these decisions, these sanctions, these, um, these bans by any of the sports organizations to essentially say, no, you're not going to be allowed to compete at all? Look, we understand that the IOC and the Paralympics, are they under a different... I actually don't know if they're under a different organization. I think they are the International Paralympic Committee. So I think it's the IPC. Um, We understand that they have some weird attraction to Russia. They always have, even after the doping scandal um, and the Icarus documentary came out and everything came to light. um, They still allowed them to compete under the ROC, right? And the Paralympics originally said that we will let them compete. That it's not the people's fault. We're going to let them compete. And what you had was individual countries and and athletes saying that they will not compete against Russians. They won't take the ice. They won't take the hill or whatever. As long as there was Russians there, they won't be competing. That is extremely understandable. And that made the Olympic Committee backtrack and say that they're not allowed there at all. My question and my problem is why did the Olympic Committee not do that originally? It seems like such a no-brainer. And I also don't think that it's a uh, coincidence that all this happened directly after the closing ceremonies for the Olympics. I think that there was a part of Russia that wanted to wait until um, their athletes were allowed to compete in the Winter Olympics. There is something called, I believe it's called the Olympic Truce, which is, I believe, 10 days before and 10 days after the closing of the Olympic Games. You're not supposed to, if you do this Olympic Truce, invade countries, do any sort of that thing, right? Russia broke this. It was not 10 days since the Olympics ended that they invaded into Ukraine. Like I said, do you think they care? Probably not. They could say, shove that truce where the sun don't shine. But the thing is, is that the Olympics now has to look at this situation. And if this does get resolved rather peacefully in the next little bit here, there still has to be bans in place for everything that has happened. You look back to the doping, like you said, in the years before. Russia in the Olympics has not been a problem just right now. You go back to the last two, three Olympics, they have been a topic of of controversy, really, for different reasons. At some point, the IOC in particular has to look at this in international events and say, what are we going to do here? Like, what what are we going to do here? Do we ban them for a few Olympics before? Like, I think... The main thing I wanted to get to, and I want to do this conversation before you kick me out of studio. The uh, CHL announced that they will not allow Russians to enter the draft as of next year. Um, and my question to you is, is that fair to those players? Because, and, and I get it, that we need to crack down. But those players didn't do it. For the most part, the Russian people don't agree with what's happening. And they're brainwashed the people that do. So why are we not... What? Why are we punishing the individual players who just want to, who, who want to maybe even escape Russia to be allowed to come over here and, ch- and chase their hockey dreams, including what should be the first overall pick, right? I th- you just have to, I think you can't, 
be too picky with who you paint the brush with, right? If you, let's say for some reason, um, America started invading someone, right? Are you going to say, oh, American athletes, they're good to go. They're good to do their own thing. They didn't want to do that, right? I mean, you kind of got to, at some point, you have to, you have to lay the foot down. You have to put the foot down and you have to say, no one from this country is going to be allowed to enter our leagues, right? It, 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 is it going to make a difference in their strategies or the, what they're doing invading Ukraine? Probably not. But at some point, you got to think that maybe these bans and you look into the, the politics of it, the banking, the financials, everything that is going on there. At some point, like, is it going to reach a breaking? But that's kind of my question is this is not going to be the straw that broke the camel's back. It's not Far because from, some 16-year-old or 15-year-old isn't allowed to come to Canada. What we should be doing is allowing them to come, allowing them to bring their families, allowing people to leave Russia if they want to leave to escape what is happening over there, to escape a tyrannical government, an autocrat, a, a, a strongman that is running that country, to allow them to come to our country. We should be open to that. But instead, we're shunning them and saying, no, you have to stay here. We're creating a further wall for us between us and them. And we shouldn't have those walls. Walls are bad. You can't see through walls. You can't talk through walls. We need to keep those communications open to say that, look, the rest of the world is good. The rest of the world is fine. It's you guys that are being, you know what? So like, yeah. we allow you. We want you to come here. We want you to see what's happening. We want you to see what a democracy is. And on that note, you have to, I see far too many people, mostly online, I haven't seen any of it in person, thank God, but mostly online, you see people, um, whether it's a Russian Canadian, right, giving them, uh, saying whatever they want online, these people came to Canada in this case, right, they got out of Russia for whatever reason, you cannot paint them with the same brush, right, you cannot say that they, that this is their fault, when they are here, they made the choice to come here well before this all started. Is there a fear base to that? Who knows? Is there a fear base to not allowing these players to come over in the draft? There could that be. you just don't know who's coming. You I, don't know who is on what side. To be honest with you, I think it all just comes down to that. They 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 need to make a decision that is... I don't want to say make them look good, but they have to make a decision that everyone else is making. No, you can say it. It's, it's the decision that everyone is making right now. And it if is you 70% don't, if for you, the optics, and, and if, it's 30% for um, changing the world. That's what it is. Right? So if you're if you're the league that says, fine, Russia's, we're still going to play against Russia, you're the team that says, well, yeah, we'll still play against Russia, you now look bad. I understand you're not playing outlier. against Russia. I understand not playing against these countries and maybe giving them money gates and such like that like formula one pulling their race from russia i completely understand that Makes what sense. i don't understand is blaming teenagers for this and not, and making them stay and separating them further that's that's just what i don't understand oh it makes sense it makes perfect sense uh yeah anyways i think that's all we're going to talk on that yeah we um we say we don't want to get political <laughs> then. there's, the there's no way not could. to the there's no is... way not to because like as much as sports is amazing we love sports it feels weird for me to still go to arenas knowing what's going on. Exactly. You know what I right. mean? It feels, it's, it feels like there's bigger things for us to focus on right. than than a junior B hockey game on a Wednesday night. Well, it just feels like on that note, it feels weird that we are here in Ontario now finally starting to get, to get back to the most normal life we've had in the last two years here with some restrictions being lifted. And then you look on the other side yeah. of the world. And Who knew that our new normal was from the 1940s? Exactly. 
Uh, Smitty Mitty Show, we're going to go and get into our guest this week. Mitty, I'm going to kick you off the mics here, All and right. I'm going to talk some Junior B hockey with a couple of my friends around the league. So joining me now, he is the play-by-play voice of the Kamoka Kings on HockeyTV.com, Dylan Baker, and the play-by-play voice of the St. Mary's Lincolns on StMary'sRadio.com, Spencer Seymour. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me here on the show this week. Pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. No, it's the first time I've been on a show to talk hockey in a very long time, so I'm excited to do it with, uh, with you and Spencer. Obviously, us three working in the Western Conference of the Greater Ontario Junior Hockey League. Uh, For those of you not in the viewing region of the Junior Hockey League that we call games in, um, a lot is going on. It has been an exciting year between the shutdown for COVID, some drama off the ice, and obviously watching our teams go in very different directions as we'll get to throughout the course of this show. Spencer, I'll start with you. When the season started, St. Mary's obviously some expectations after uh, having their season cut short two years ago in the second round against Leamington. How have the team lined up this year compared to what you thought they were going to do? Well, I mean, I, I had high expectations for them. I think, uh, I think everyone in St. Mary's had high expectations for this team after last year, you know, third place finish after years in the, in the basement of the conference um, it was a great year that got cut off there. Um, but the thing about this team is the people who are in charge of this team are always looking to the next year. They're, they're, looking, they're looking to this year as well, but they're always looking ahead. They're always looking what's next and who's next. And, you know, looking at who they brought in, you bring in, you know, two of the top scorers in the alliance automatically. You bring in an OHL drafted defenseman like Eric Lalonde. And, you know, you've got guys coming back like Max Mulder, like Joe Mazur and Ethan Lamaru. And, and early on, you could see this was going to be a good team. If there's one thing that stood out to me that surprised me is how hardworking this team is. This team is, if they don't have a good game, it's not for lack of effort. This team puts in a great effort every night. And I, I think that's one of the most exciting things about this team is, man, if, if there's going to be nights where the offense isn't clicking, but you're never going to get, you're never going to get a boring game. Usually you're never going to get a game that, you know, there's no effort from the Lincolns. They're always, they're always going to make, you know, they're there. I think without looking at it on paper, the Lincolns might have the most returning guys from when the season was shut down two years ago to this year. And that goes to show I've, a, how young the team was two years ago and to how many guys have been able to stick around. And Dylan, that kind of goes over to you in Kamoka with this year. A lot of new faces on the Kamoka Kings this year, a lot of young talent and uh, a few London Knights draft picks that are helping you guys to have one of your most successful seasons in franchise history. Yeah, so far it's been one of the more successful seasons since the move to Kamoka, if not the most successful season I believe it's on track to be. And like you mentioned, like Spencer was talking about with the Lincolns, they had a lot of returning guys. The only holdover from the 2019-2020 Kamoka Kings team that was uh, eliminated in the first round by Leamington that is on the team this year is Will Lewis. Everybody else either graduated or went uh, to a different organization, went to a different league. So there are a lot of new faces. There were guys who were signed for the 2020-2021 season. It was obviously cut short due to the pandemic that are back this year. 
But there were a lot of guys that we hadn't really seen play in Kings uniforms. That's not to say that there was a lack of experience. Carter McElwain, Will Lewis, uh, Darius Manny are three guys who are in the leadership group for the Kamoka Kings that have played in the GOJHL before. McElwain with the Listowel Cyclones, uh, Lewis with the Kings, as previously mentioned, and Darius Manny with the Stars. So there were three guys who kind of knew what to expect going in and have really been, been big for the young guys on the team that you alluded to. Guys like Easton Cowan and Caden Johnston, who are 16-year-olds playing their first junior hockey seasons. Cowan, a second-round pick of the Knights, who's played several games with them, with them this year, who scored a goal for them this year. Johnston just recently signed with the Knights as well. There's a lot of young talent on this team, and some of the veteran guys, though they are a little few and far between, have been able to help get these guys ready for junior hockey and kind of show them what it's like because they've been doing it for a few years now. Now, both of you guys, uh, I will gladly admit that both of you guys are better at um, relationships with players on the team. Dylan, you're fantastic with it. Spencer, I know you're better than I am at, at the relationships with players. A lot of these guys, as we mentioned, OHL draft pick, guys that um, have a bright future in hockey. Spencer, speak a little bit about the relationships that you develop here and how nice it is to see these guys and what is surely going to be just a stop on their hockey journey. Well, it's great. It's great, you know, getting to know the people, you know, wearing these jerseys and, and wearing the numbers that you're calling every game. And, you know, you get to learn pretty quickly that some of them, some of them are a bit quiet and some of them are these really engaging, funny personalities. You know, um, Bryce Walkarius is such a personality off the ice. And not at all in a bad way. He's just, he's just a funny guy. He's a very unique individual. Um, you know, a guy like Cole Schnitker, who on the ice is a total beast, is, is a bit more quiet. And again, not a, not a bad thing at all. It's just he's, he's, a, bit more, he's a bit more quiet and a bit more reserved. But it's, it's, great. it's great getting to, to know these guys and, and, you know, be a small part of their hockey journey. You know, I look at a guy like Noah Vandenbrink and that guy just has so much talent. Kyle Morey just has so much talent. And it's, it's really exciting to think about what they both could do in the OHL. And, you know, I, I get to be a small part of their journey on the way. Now you talk about the OHL picks there and some guys that uh, you look at and Vandenbrink's already played up in the OHL with Hamilton for a number of games this year. And Dylan going over to the Kings, you have guys like Easton Cowan who got a taste of the OHL with the London Knights. And it shows people that maybe aren't as big of fans of the greater Ontario junior hockey league. Don't follow it as much that the step is there. They are just below getting into the OHL, which a lot of people view, especially here in this province as the top junior league in the world. Absolutely, Noah. And there are so many draft picks of OHL teams on these uh, GOJHL squads. You look at Cowan, who we've talked about already. Nick Yearwood has played a couple of games of the Knights this season as well from the Kamoka Kings. Omar Hage is a draft pick of the Hamilton Bulldogs. Caden Johnston played so well that he was signed by the London Knights uh, midseason. And Jackson McElwain has played a few games of the Windsor Spitfires as well. There is talent on all of these teams. There are guys who will be going into the Ontario Hockey League as soon as next season, some of them may be a little further down the road, but there are guys who are going to earn themselves spots in not only the OHL, but in hockey, uh, hockey in college as well, like D1 hockey. You can find guys who you will see if you follow the NCAA in the future in the Greater Ontario Junior Hockey League and to get a chance to interact with these guys and guys who have done uh, who've been successful in the league before. It, it's really a pleasure to get, to get a chance to know them and to be around them 
this Kings team, I'll speak on them because I know them the best. They're filled with lots of excitement. You've talked about how young they are. There's lots of energy with this team. It makes them fun to be around and it makes them an easy team to root for. Now let's talk a little bit about the conference as a whole, obviously focusing on the Western conference that we get to call games in coming into this season. It was kind of wide open. You knew some guys were returning to their clubs, but other than that, we didn't really know what was going on. And I'll start with my first opinion here. And we're going to go on what team has surprised us the most this year. And I don't know if this is a surprise for me, but I'm going to go with the Chatham Maroons mostly because you don't always think as Chatham is going to be a star studded team filled with stars, but they go out there, they win hockey games. And I think as the recording of this, they're, they're in a tie for second place in the West, although a few games ahead of a couple other teams, but Spencer, I'll start with you. Who's been the most surprising team in the Western conference for you so far this year? Well, early on, it was LaSalle. LaSalle got off to a really hot start and, and they, they, they caught me by surprise. I, I didn't, I didn't expect them to get off to the start. They did. I mean, they've, they've cooled off a bit here, but you know, they're, they're still a good team. They're, they're a really aggressive team. They, they don't allow too many goals um, night to night. They're, they're a good team and they're the kind of team that can, you know, upset a, a bigger dog in the playoffs. You know, I, I, I'm, I was a bit surprised by St. Thomas. I got to be honest at the beginning of the year. I, I didn't really see it in St. Thomas. Now they got Paris, they got bonk and they had Alexander, a former Lincoln. Um, but yeah, I didn't initially, I didn't really see it in St. Thomas, but they've, they've definitely, they've definitely played better than, than my expectation for them. So if, if I'm looking at surprises, uh, probably, probably LaSalle and St. Thomas for me. No, Dylan, we'll go over to you. Any surprising uh, teams for you in the Western Conference so far this season? Of course, about 10 to 12 games left, depending on the team here. Um, but down to our final month of the regular season, who surprised you the most? Well, coming into this year, like you mentioned, so hard to predict with the year off. Nobody really knew what to expect from a lot of these teams. You could guess that the same teams would be up near the top. You'd have Leamington, you'd have London, you'd likely have St. Mary's after the year they had in 2019, 2020, despite the fact that in years prior, they had been lower in the conference. Uh, there was a regime change, and now they're they're trending upwards, and they are always icing successful teams. So you kind of expected those three to be near the top. I like uh, your pick of Chatham, Noah, because I expected Chatham to be a good team to contend for the 4-5, but that's kind of what we saw at the beginning of the year. And as the year progressed, they started to move up and up and up in the standings. And now you talked uh, about, about the fact that they're tied for second place. So Chatham, I think, has looked really, really good. They've had some guys that have really stepped up. Dylan Glinsky, who they got from the U.S., is the rookie leader in goals, if I'm not mistaken, in the GOJHL. He's got a tremendous amount of power play goals. He's been really key for the, to their success. And uh, a team like Kamoka, who struggled in uh, a few years ago in 2019-2020 in seventh place in the Western Conference, being up near the top for as long as they have been this season. Now the uh, recent skid has dropped them back a little bit. It's been really pleasant to see. And and, you know, I had a knowledge of that team, so it wasn't really a surprise to me because you saw the team on the ice, you, you figured that they would do pretty well. But for a lot of people in the conference, I think seeing that the Kings have been having as good a year as they have been was a bit of a surprise. So I would have to go with probably Chatham and Kamoka. I, I, I put that question on your plate, and I was wondering if you were going to steer clear of Kamoka trying not to be biased, knowing damn well that it was a good answer. Right. Like, I think, Spencer, you can agree. Kamoka is a great answer for the most surprising team. I was just wondering if yeah. Dylan was going to go there or not. <laughs> well, listen, I, I can't say it was that surprising to me because I saw the guys on the ice. I knew how they played. But and I figured that they had a real shot at being a, a great contender. 
and they they proved me right. But for a lot of people in the conference, you know, they looked at Komoko, who finished in seventh place in 1920, and they thought, okay, it's probably just going to be, you know, another lower in the conference place finish. But they've played tremendously well this season with Adam Casey behind the bench. Rube Chanted at Ray Giffen, a vice to great team as well. You know yes. what surprised me about Komoka? Um, well, it was it was more it was more the individuals and not necessarily the entire team. You know, I I didn't I didn't know Carter McElwain was this good. I knew he was good. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know he was this good. And I I don't know, Dylan. I I don't know how many people knew Omar Hage was this good. Yeah, no. You look at Omar's stats in in uh, in U eighteen with the London Junior Knights, and that's all we had to base ourselves on coming into this year. They were tremendously good numbers, and so there was a bit of a higher expectation, I think, within the organization that Hage was going to be a very solid goaltender. But for outside, for the outside looking in, nobody really knew what to expect from a guy like Omar Hage. But you knew it, if you had spoken to him, I got the chance to interview him twice. I'm very thankful for those opportunities. He's a he's a very intelligent guy. He's a very calm guy. He doesn't get rattled out there. And just the way he acts tells that he could make a great goaltender and the numbers back that up. Now, Dylan, I think earlier this week, as we were recording this, you were telling me a stat about how Omar Hage had two straight games where he faced a combined 99 shots and you guys managed to take three out of four points in those two games. I think that just speaks to the goaltending right there in that stat alone. Well, actually, no, he saved 99 shots. He faced 103, I think is what it was, in those two games. Um, but yeah, no, pretty incredible stuff from Omar Hage. And like I talked about, the Kings have been struggling as of late. But when you have a guy in the crease who's going to give you a performance like Omar does, it, it gives you a little more confidence that you feel you can play a little more freely offensively because you know that Omar is going to back you up in net. Now, Spencer, speaking of the goaltending, you mentioned the name of Bryce Walcarius, a guy who has bounced around the league from team to team. He's had his fair share of homes here in the Western Conference, but he's really settled down. I think this is the best that we have seen Bryce Walcarius in his junior B hockey career right now in St. Mary's. And I think outside looking in, like I said, you get to watch these guys every single game. I think he is kind of the anchor that is really helping the Lincolns in their push this season he's he's been unbelievable it's it's that simple he i think he uh, i think the stat was he won 11 straight starts uh through the end of uh the end of 2021 and into 2022 and now it's up to uh he's i think he's won 12 of his last 14 starts and you know he he was he was the one in net for that for that big winning streak the lincolns went on you know the lincolns won eight in a row near the end of 2021 and and the Lincoln's other goaltender, Ryan Wheeler, was injured at that time. So it was all on wall carries. He carried the load incredibly. He, he, he won. He won 11 straight starts when he was in the net. And, you know, over that time, he had two shutouts and a 950 safe percentage. So, I mean, obviously that, that you know, that level of play, you know, nobody, Martin Brodeur couldn't keep that up for an entire season. But man, he has been awesome in the net. He is he has been so calm in the net. That's I think the thing that, that really stands out about Walcarius is, you know, we saw him in 2019-20 and he was good. You could tell he was good, but he was he was still getting used to the league. This year, he doesn't give up many rebounds. He looks so calm in the net. He is he is a really good goaltender. And when you consider that he's still got a year of eligibility left in this league. It's very exciting to think about what he could be next year as well. 
as a 20 year old netminder. Now I'm going to kind of go off topic a little bit here. You flash back to, I believe it was Strathroy's second trip of the year to St. Mary's Chaz Dixon versus Bryce Wall carries a net, a game that went 60 minutes tied at zero when another seven minutes of overtime tied at zero and ended in a one to nothing St. Mary's win in a shootout. It's the first time in my life I've ever seen two goalies get a shutout Spencer was that not the most exciting game of the year? I mean, at least it was for me. I don't know about you. The, the word defibrillator was used more than once on the St. Mary's <laughs> radio broadcast of that game. Like, it, was, it was absolutely insane. I, you know, I, I'm not kidding when I say the word defibrillator was used more than once. It was, it was truly a heart-stopping game. Because by the time it got to the third period, both teams were having end-to-end chances. And both goaltenders were making saves that, you know, they had no business making. And it was just, it seemed like every shift that one of them was making a save where you were, your jaw was on the floor going, how did he just make that save? And, you know, both of them were excellent. And it, it took until the shootout where, you know, while Carey's made the saves that he had to make and, the Lincoln shootout specialist Kieran Moore had a goal in the shootout that night, and it was uh, it was definitely one of the most exciting games of the year. And I I honestly can't think of one that's been more exciting than that. I think Dylan was messaging me saying that he was flopping back and forth between listening to you <laughs> and I, and then eventually settled on me because he could hear you in the background of my broadcast <laughs> because that's how much Spencer Seymour was screaming over the mic. Am I am I correct in this, Dylan? Sounds about right. No, Spencer gets pretty excited, and uh, and it's it's awesome to hear that emotion when when you're listening to a game because it really gets you into it. And listening to both of you during during that contest was really something. It was a lot of fun because you never really knew what was going to happen. It was so tight, and it's hilarious that you guys said it's the most exciting game. There was one goal scored, and it was in a shootout. But just the way it was played, it made it so exciting, and uh, everybody was having a good time listening to both of you. All right, let's uh, finish off here. A few more questions, and we're going to kind of switch it up a little bit. Dylan, I'll start with you. You've seen a lot of the jerseys in the league. Who has oh your favorite set of jerseys? Not an individual one, but the set as a whole. Which team has your favorite? You can't pick your own. I can't pick my own. All right, that was going to be a pretty easy cop. I like Kamoka's jersey. I'll just say that because I think they're, they're a very nice set of uniforms. Um, I think that uh, – Habs fan shining through in me, but the Strathroy Rockets uniforms are really nice. I like them uh, a lot with the red, the blue, and the white, and the alternates, uh, the blue ones are cool. I really like St. Mary's as well. The one knock that I have on the Lincoln's jerseys is it is impossible to read the numbers on the back of the uh, the home, or the, the green jerseys and the white jerseys, or the cream jerseys, I should say. It is it is tough um, to, to see the names on the back and the numbers on the back, so that doesn't make it very pleasant as a broadcaster. Um, I think the Western Conference especially has some pretty good jerseys. I'll probably I'll probably put uh, Strathroy's right up at the top there. And you, Spencer? Well, I mean, I'm not going to suck up to the host like uh, Dylan on here. That <laughs> was not the goal. But the but goal. I'm <laughs> I'm uh, I I now now that I'm broadcasting games. I only look at jerseys for the readability of the numbers. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick my own if, if I could, um, you know, I actually really like the, the new third Jersey that the nationals have brought in the black one. 
I like their blues. I like their whites. I, I don't mind the black Jersey that they've had. So, so I don't mind London's. Um, I don't mind Kamoka's. Leamington's are all right. I would, I would probably say those three are probably, uh, are probably my favorites right now. I'm glad you brought up the London's new third Jersey and keep in mind, we are played in the London area. So don't trash them too much. Honestly, I'm not a fan of the blacks. I don't know about you, Dylan. I don't, I don't, I don't love the new third black jerseys for the London Nationals. I am a fan. I love those jerseys. I think the black is sleek. I love an all black uniform. I think it looks awesome. And uh, you know what? The, the Kings and Nationals have had some pretty heated contests in the past, but I got to say those black jerseys are fantastic. Can we pick a worst? Are we allowed to do that? Or are we, <laughs> we just, should we just stay away from that gentleman? I, I think we stay away from it. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll stay away off the from, air. Off the air. We'll pick a worse. Yeah. As soon as this <laughs> yeah. Is done, we'll pick a worse, but uh, we won't pick one on the show just to, to save face a little bit here. Um, we got a few more minutes left on the show here. So a couple other things that we need to tackle Spencer, I'll go to you because you travel on the road with the team. Uh, like I do, Dylan, you don't yet. I know you're going to get there. Shots fired. I know you're going to get there someday. Spencer favorite rank to broadcast from and least favorite rank in the Western conference to broadcast. from. Why would you do this to me? <laughs> Watch your answer here, Spencer. <laughs> People well, are gonna get mad in the in the forum. Yeah, I know. I yeah, I said I wouldn't say anything controversial, but I've been set up here. <laughs> um, okay, I'll 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 start with my least favorite. I'm not a big fan of LaSalle. Reason being, the LaSalle rank does not have either a booth or a walkway at the top of their seats. So I often will go right up to the, the seats go right to the back of the wall. So I will sit on a bench protruding out from the wall with a chair in front of me with my computer running the broadcast on the chair. It is, it kills my legs, first of all, just because of the position I have to sit in. So that's not great. Um, Honestly, my favorite, because again, I'm looking at it from a broadcaster standpoint, I enjoy Strathroy because there's a booth with the, with the setup right in front of me. Now the, now the rink is tiny. That, that, you you got you to gotta extend the ice service there, Noah, by a, by a, by a lot. I'll get on that myself, Spencer. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would really appreciate it if you did. Um, I, I like being in Strathroy. I, I don't know if you're going to allow me to say my own, um, but I, I like broadcasting at the PRC. But if we're just talking road rinks, I like Strathroy. I like St. Thomas, except for their horn. Because <laughs> St. Thomas has a booth. I'm a big fan of the booth. If I could that, avoid that horn sitting, is yeah, that horn is dead. If I could avoid sitting next to the horn in St. Thomas, Chatham, and Leamington, um, where it just seems like you're gonna lose your hearing every time they score, which coincidentally when I'm there usually happens to be quite a lot. Um, yeah, there are there's some couple there's a couple places around the league where the horn is extremely loud. But hey, it, it, it's all part of the gig. Uh Dylan, I'll actually I'm gonna throw out okay. one more. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm going to throw one more because 
the acoustics are the best in the conference in Kamoka. Yeah. <laughs> you, love gotta, the you said you won't suck up to the host of the show, but you will suck up to the He's other not the guest. host. He, will he said he said Strathroy is the best road ring. So I'm just saying he's sucking up to the host too. That's true. The only one. I'll, I'll, that's fine. I also that's told fine. the host to start building an extension on the ring. Yeah. Like I mean, <laughs> using taxpayer money and build. I might as well just put up a whole new one, Spencer, while I'm at it. Right. While I'm there. Put up well, what else you got to do? Yeah, right. It's not like You're I don't just have... talking to Mitty for an hour. Yeah. You act other way around. Mitty's usually talking to me for an hour. You both, you We're guys, talking both, at you. Yeah, you guys, you guys both know that's true. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, that uh, that does it for our show this week. I thank you both for coming on. It's been a blast. Honestly, I feel like we didn't have enough time to talk about sports but hey i guess that just means we're gonna have to do this again and dylan we can officially say that spencer had a good idea for once that's the first time yeah, yeah. well that does it mark uh, it on the calendar yeah yeah thank you for joining us spencer dylan once again uh kamoka kings dylan baker st mary's lincoln's spencer seymour joining us here on the smitty Mitty show this week Goldline would like to thank the sponsors, the volunteers, and the fans for making the Port Elgin Chrysler 22 Ontario Tankard presented by Bruce Power such a great success. Curling has everything you're looking for in a pastime. Get started with equipment from Goldline, the choice of champions. I'm Dave Middleton, a proud Sun Life Financial Advisor, and I've got some fantastic ideas for the money that's building up in your bank account due to COVID-19. Make more and protect more. Visit sunlife.ca slash dave.middleton. You're listening to The Smitty and Mitty Show. Mitty's back, back, back. I'm back on You're the back. Smitty and Mitty show. He's back. I know you guys, I hope you guys had a good conversation. I left. You left the room completely. Yeah, I know the people were missing my voice. I'm sure you did a great job. I did. But I'm sure people were missing this silky, smooth, opinionated voice. I actually thought it was my best performance on this show in the year and a half that we've been doing this. Sure, but I mean, that's because you didn't have me as a crutch. You had to go yourself. Uh, I wouldn't say you're a crutch. I tend to take over interviews. You do. You do. You wouldn't have took over this one. Even if you were here, No, I'm convinced that I would have been the star of the show. Well, I definitely would have got in trouble. I don't think I could sit here and talk about it. Uh, we didn't really talk about anything except for just like how the season's been going. And, uh, but I don't I pay attention. I asked Spencer his favorite place I, to broadcast from, his favorite jerseys, like just normal stuff. I just, I, I per- favorite jerseys. Favorite jersey in LaSalle. the go- in LaSalle? LaSalle Blacks. LaSalle Blacks. So the team that stole from Kamoka now is your favorite jersey. I don't like Kamoka's yellow. I hate Kamoka's yellow. Fan. I told Dylan that to his face. I said Kamoka's yellow is disgusting. Yeah, not a huge fan. Not a huge fan of when your jersey, your alternate jersey is not a color that's in your team colors. I like the Nats black too. Really? Yeah. We had a vote on that just before you got back on here to end off the uh, second segment. Two to one, I lost. I said I didn't like the Nats third jersey, the blacks. They both said they did. So yeah, I like the blacks. Now I'm down four to one. By the way, welcome back to the Smitty Mitty Show on the TSMS Radio Network. Tyler Middleton, Noah Smith, in with you for one more segment. We are baseball people. Baseball. So we are going to have to talk about the biggest news in baseball that came out of last week. Commissioner Rob Manfred canceling the first two series of the MLB season after no agreement was able to come upon. Uh, Originally, the deadline was on Sunday. They pushed it to Monday because they thought they were making headway. Uh, They went right through the night. Nothing got done. 
really nothing got done. The owners put forward one last proposal, and it was unanimously voted down by the players. wasn't even close to what they were looking for. So here we are. Um, the conversation I want to have is one of two things. Well, a bunch of things. Let's start with whose fault is this? Uh, the short answer is probably the owners, but is it really not both parties' faults? Right? You can you can dig into it and you can look at it and say who really is at fault. Here. But if I come if 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 I come with a number that's 115 million and I know that's high, and you come with five million and you know that's embarrassingly low, and I come down to 75 million and you come up to 10 million, then that's your fault because exactly. I was willing to make a move. You haven't made any moves. A big move. So as much as we can sit here and say, okay, the players didn't take anything that was maybe a lowball offer, why do they have to? The, the problem here is the owners hold all of the chips because they have the money. They're not the ones missing paychecks. The thing is, and the big thing here with these this lockout this time around is that I feel like the big thing that everyone is separated on happens around minor leagues, right? The salaries for minor leaguers. The, but the minor leagues um, aren't negotiated by the MLB contracts. But, but it, it kind of toils into it because of your base salary, stuff like that, right? Like That's what I feel like the talk has been um, separated by a little bit there. I don't know. I, I feel like the players had a good offer. I feel like the MLB owners had a good offer. I feel like both of them had the chance to get a deal done. But no one was willing to budge that extra little bit. They were willing to move. They were willing to move. They were willing to move. And then when it came, push came to shove on the final day, no one wanted to be the last one to make the move. It is a trend where owners tend to win all these battles. Because like we talked about, players are way more focused on growing the game. They're way more focused on what they get individually as paychecks. In the last negotiations, they were way more focused on um, how they're treated, things like food and dressing rooms, travel, um, schedule, things to make their lives easier. And now it's based on money. This year, it's money. And if there's one thing that owners love, it's money. It's their money. They love it more than their families in most cases. And these, they're unwilling to budge. And the players are finally saying, we're putting our foot down. We are owed something. Let's make sure that we get what we're owed because it is not okay for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to be the face of your organization, to be the face, one of the faces of your of your league, and make league minimum, which is 550K or whatever it is. Let me ask you a question because I feel like this is the big one going around right now. Are you upset to the point that you are no longer excited for baseball season? Because there are people out there. Maybe the more casual fan, uh, even some diehard fans that have said, you know what, this is just, this has just ticked me off, right? Now I'm not excited for May to roll around or whenever baseball season finally does get underway. I'm not really excited. You guys you... have ruined this for me. You guys have took the joy out of it the last couple of months. And really the last few weeks have been terrible as a baseball fan. You and I both had conversations about going to the opening day this year. Um, knowing that it's back in Canada, knowing that the team's back, hopefully restrictions are dropped. We're going to be all excited to be back in the in the stadium. Now, you couldn't pay me to be there um, to give my money in gate revenue to these owners for at least as long as they lock out the, the, the players. If we're missing two weeks of the season, for at least the first two weeks, I ain't going. And I implore everyone out there to don't spend your money send a little bit of a point that you know what you guys are rich because of us 
Yeah. If it this wasn't is, for us, the fans, you guys have nothing. This was the first year. I've never really been to a Major League Baseball game early in the season, right? When I've been to Major League Baseball games, it was July, August, you know, later on in the season. This was the first year, and like you said, where we talked about going to opening day, this was the first year where I was pumped for the season to start, right? I was going to make a trip to Toronto, if not a couple trips to Toronto. Let alone the team to looks see really the Blue Jays, Right? To see an exciting young Toronto Blue Jays team. And now I don't. Right? Like, I care less if I don't make it out to the ballpark until later on in the season, if at all now. Right? Like, I just feel like you guys don't, the, the, the ownership, they don't value the fan. Right? They do because they get our money through the TV deals, through whatever it is. But they they're, don't actually They are way care. more focused on TV deals than they are. They're way more focused sales. about the ticket sales. No, they're way more yeah, focused on, on TV on than TV ticket deals sales. Than the ticket sales. That's where they make their money. That's where they make their money that isn't owed in revenue sharing. <laughs> It's it's just frustrating to see this all toil out, and I can't even imagine we're sitting here as two mid-20-year-olds talking about how frustrated we are as baseball fans. The young kids growing up, man. I couldn't imagine having to deal with this when all I wanted to do was watch and play baseball, and there's people over there fighting about millions, billions of dollars. At this point of the year, I usually pay my $5 for MLB radio to listen to every single spring training game during the day. Spring training game. I listen to every single spring training game in a regular season. Last year when we took a drive up the port, came back, and we were listening to Tigers versus Pirates on the radio, right? Like, first of all, brutal radio broadcast, if I do remember correctly. (laughs) But second of all, listening to games we really don't care about because we just were excited for spring to be here and to be able to listen to baseball games again. And what really frustrates me, I know we're up against it, I'll be quick here. What really frustrates me is when the owners leak out things that it's like, okay, we see through it. Like they, both sides try to throw mud, but some of the things like the owners, obviously the thing that was released about Max Scherzer showing up in his brand new Mercedes Benz or whatever it was, an expensive car. And well, these players are fighting for money, but here they are showing up in expensive cars. What did the owners show up in? Yeah. In their private jets, exactly. in their town cars. I'm just thinking that last image of Rob Manfred speaking to the media, and he's got a big smile on his face after he just locked out the MLB, right? Uh, I that's mean, let's image, not even think about the an, fact that they didn't even have to lock the players out. The reason they locked the players out in the first place was so that they couldn't strike. They couldn't have any civil action against the league. So th- from the very start, they knew that this was where it was going to go, and they knew um, that they had to do something about it. And they were been negotiating in bad faith ever since. Smitty Mitty Show, we're putting our foot down. We are not supporting Major League Baseball. Oh, I love Mitty, it. good to have you back in studio this week. Man, I miss baseball. I miss baseball. <laughs> I don't want it to it? lock out. I don't want it to lock out. Well, you don't have a choice. I know I don't have a choice. That's the worst part. What? If you were to any of the major it's sports. Like, it's like when the high school cafeteria stopped serving the big cookies in grade 11. I didn't have a choice. If it was my choice, it wouldn't have happened. Any of the major sports, is this your biggest nightmare for this one to be locked out? Of course it is. Would you you would rather any other league be locked out than Major League Baseball? Sure. If you were to give me a league to pick, I'd pick the NBA to be locked out. I'm fine with the NHL. The NHL I could live with. The NFL I could uh, live with. I feel like the NFL would be my worst nightmare. You think? Why? Yeah. There's only 18 weeks. Baseball is sure. 162 games. For if we miss two series... I think the best thing that could come out of this is they play 140 games, 141 games or whatever, and they're like, oh, that actually worked. That like yeah. We don't need 162. 142, is that what they played before they moved to 162? I have no idea. If they went back to that and they liked it, I'd be fine with that. Ruins your stats a little bit, but 
Live with 162 it. was way too long. Live with it. And baseball we've, is we've had this long. conversation. It's way too many games. Baseball needs an off day a week, if not more. I think they do have an off day a week now. But Generally instead, speaking. But instead of cutting games, they just made the season longer. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that does it for us here on the Smitty Mitty Show for this week, another week. As always, a big thank you to the guests who joined us. I uh, kicked media out of the studio for that one. Dylan Baker, Spencer Seymour for hopping on and talking some junior hockey with me. And as always, a big thank you to our sponsors, Gold Line Curling, the choice of champions, and Gold Line Curling, the choice of champions. You said that twice. And so we should thank Dave Middleton of Sunlight Financial. <laughs> Life is brighter. You were trying to point at something. You were trying to, you were distracting <laughs> my me. My pen's the same color as my tie. So you ruined my sponsor <laughs> thinking to point out to the colorblind guy that your pen and, and, and tie are the same color. Yep. For Noah Smith, Tyler Middleton, we are saying goodbye for another week here. It's the Smitty Mini Show.